You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Doesn't matter what we believe. This address is our chairman pointed out is presented by the Christadelphians on Manitoulin Island. This question that we have before us tonight is a good question. It is a question that assumes that each one of us believes something. We believe something regarding religion. And so it's important that we look at this, that we get an answer to this and to other questions that we may have that will come up tonight and that we may have as we read the Bible on our own, that we can look at and get an answer for these questions and come up with something that is concrete that we believe is the truth and that will help us on our walk to salvation. So what I did to start off with was I started off with some questions for us. And so starting off with questions for us, the first one's a statement. But it is, but you can turn that into a question pretty quick. Uh, does God have a plan for mankind? And we can see as we go on, all these are questions or questions that we want answers for um, ourselves. And we certainly want for you, our friends, to have answers to these two. So one Bible, many churches. Why? That could have been our topic tonight. That very well could have been our topic. One Bible, many churches. Why? Why do we differ? doesn't matter if we differ in our beliefs. And we're going to go on a little bit further and we're going to see uh, some differing uh, views and why people all have their own views. What is expected of us? What is expected of a human being on this earth? Uh, where are they and where are we expected to be? What does God expect of us? What is the human viewpoint? We all seem to have viewpoints. What is the human viewpoint? What is God's viewpoint? And can we make a connection between those two viewpoints? As a kind of an introduction here, we're going to start off with a motive, which is God's motive. You might call it God's plan, God's purpose. I put it down as God's motive. This is God speaking to Moses in the Old Testament, uh, way back when they were uh, wandering in the wilderness, the children of Israel, and this statement is made by God. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Now, it's a simple statement, but it's very purposeful. Uh, God puts this out there, and if we are reading our Bibles, if we're searching for truth, we're going to stop and ask ourselves, the earth filled with God's glory. When did that happen? When is that going to happen? And so not did you get your question answered. You actually got more questions. You got more questions that now you have to answer. So uh, it's, it's a good groundwork to see that God has a plan, that he has a purpose. And we can see that it started back uh, in the Old Testament there. As well, we go to the New Testament. Uh, we look at one in Acts, 
Um, I think this one come up a few months ago in one of our addresses as well. At the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man who he has ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men that he has raised him from the dead. And there is a few key points here that I want to bring out at this time. There is an appointed day. The world will be judged. The person of God's choosing, that's the world will be judged by the person of God's choosing, even Jesus. And our assurance, how we're assured of that, is that he raised them from the dead. So if you walked out anywhere on the street and go down into Mandawani tomorrow and you ask any churchgoer, did Jesus raise from the dead? Of course, they're going to say yes. And by saying yes, you are then picking up the assurance that God has made that he will have Jesus. He will have Jesus judge the world in righteousness. He has given that assurance to all of us. So as we mentioned before, there is God's motive. God has a purpose. He has a purpose for the world. He has a purpose for all of us. And we can add, there is hope. And so we continue our questions. Why so many churches? Now, to look this up, I just looked on the uh, Google. There are about 38,000 churches in the world today. So I'm not going to list them off here. But that is a lot of churches, a lot of different breakoffs to breakoffs, and you just keep on going. And we can see from our slides and the next couple of slides we have that people started to depart, to wane, to make splits, and to go here and there. And I think all of us, if we were to say what we'd like to be, we would like to all be like the first century. We'd like to say their doctrines were pure, they were on the right track. We want to be just like that. But we can see even in the first century, maybe not with this slide, even though I've kind of hinted that it started there, but it does say in modern time. But even in the first century, people started to slide away. They started to work away from that one hope that is contained in first century teaching. And so we'll read this one from Timothy, Paul writing to Timothy. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving to them which believe and know the truth. <clears throat> if there's one key point I want you to take from this slide, and I want you to take it and watch for it in the next few slides, is know the truth. You're going to see the truth come up. And that's uh, something that we will keep our eye open for. So as I mentioned, this was something that would happen in the latter day, even though uh, in our next slide or two, we're going to see that it started to happen even in the first century. This one is in, it comes from 1 Corinthians. It is where divisions were warned against. There was chance of division starting. And here's how Paul writes to that Corinthian church. And he says, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you 
and that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am a Paul, or I am Apollos, or I have Cephas, or I have Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Are you baptized in the name of Paul? So he starts off here in these, these set of verses and he tells them that they should speak the same things, that there should be no divisions, that they should be perfectly joined in one mind and in one judgment. And don't be going around saying, am I of Apollos or am I of Cephas? Is Christ divided, he says? No, you should be all one and you should be speaking with that same mind. This one continues on false teachings and doctrines were being put forth. And this, this again is Paul writing to Timothy. He says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning, remember I said, keep your eye on the truth, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stand sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And so, <clears throat> it's interesting. He starts this section of verses off by saying, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And he goes on to say, don't fall into the trap of vain babblings, and so on, or they will increase unto more godliness. But here is the key point. These two, Hymenaeus and Philetus, they come in, and it says, who concerning the truth of error, they erred in the sense that they taught false doctrine. They taught that the resurrection was already past. And so maybe if, maybe that is the uh, warning here. If we study to show ourselves approved, we will be able to combat such false teaching that might come in. So there's no question there's false teaching concerning the truth of air, but there was consequences here too. What was the consequences here? That some fell away from the faith. And that is so sad that some were not able to maintain their faith because of people coming in and teaching um, a false doctrine. They were teaching that the resurrection was already passed. And so that is why we have to read our Bibles. We have to study our Bibles. We have to know our Bibles. And we have to build up our faith so that we can withstand when things like this uh, do come up and that our faith does not weaken so that we uh, fall away. <clears throat> So why the difference? And does it matter? And there's one central theme in the Bible, and of course, everybody in the room and everybody that's watching will agree, it is God. The central theme is God. And every church would have God. But how do we get to know God? How do we really get to know God? How do we come to the point that we can believe God and trust his word? Because he 
He writes his word. He asks us to believe it. How can we get to that point? And as we read in the Hebrews, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. God will look after those who diligently seek him. It's like the last slide we had. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. And so we see here that we can trust that God will reward those that diligently seek him. And so faith comes by hearing. That's how we get faith. That's how those who didn't have faith when Hymenaeus and Philetus put forth the false doctrine, they fell away. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so we have it all there. It's really easy. All we do is read there. We've got it. No, it's not easy. We've got to apply it. We've got to work on it. And we've got to work on it all the time. How important is the word of God in our lives? That's a good question in itself. How important is the word of God in our lives? Do we read it occasionally? Do we read it once a week? Do we read it once a month? Or do we just have it that it's, it is important in our lives and so on? Um, the verse I have chosen here to go along with this, um, it is again from Timothy. That from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now it may be, there's a chance that we've read this verse, we've used it as a exceptionally good verse, but we don't completely apply it all. For example, uh, these people had from a child, they had known the Holy Scriptures. They, Paul's acknowledgement or guidance to Timothy was that it would make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And the italics there is all Scripture, not just a little bit, not just some religions who take the New Testament or vice versa. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Another key point. It's inspired by God. Scripture is inspired by God. And therefore, it is very important for us. And now it tells us why it's profitable for doctrine. We can see, we've had an example a couple of slides ago. The doctrine, Hymenaeus and Philetus, put forth that the resurrection was passed. Well, that would have been okay if it would have just took them two away. But it didn't. It took more people away was because their faith could not withstand. So we have to be ready for to be profitable in doctrine. We have to be able to check that out. We have to look at that for reproof. When we go astray, when we move off the pathway that we can come back, that it can correct us and that it can instruct us in righteousness. And of course, the key element of the whole thing is that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So I really think that is a key verse for us uh, when it comes to how important is the word of God in our lives. Because remember the slide before was um, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. <clears throat> Another one on how important is the word of God in our lives. It can comfort us. This one's taken from Romans 15 verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. Again, italics there is highlighted for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures 
might have hope. So we read this one looking back that the things which were written aforetime, which would have been the Old Testament scripture, because it's being written to the Romans in the first century. So the Old Testament scriptures were written for our learning, speaking to those people then, and now for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So we can take an example in the Old Testament, and it can be an example of good or bad. We can emulate it if it's good. We can say, no, we wouldn't do that if it's a situation that God doesn't like. So we can take the scriptures that were written aforetime, they can be for our learning, and they can help us. And of course, again, and scriptures need this way where it always gives a positive note that we might have hope, like the one before where we would be thoroughly furnished unto all good works, that the man of God might be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So as we continue, how important is the word of God in our lives? Uh, this one was the uh, Sadducees that were rebuked here by Jesus. And we remember if um, you know the New Testament at all, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were religious lot groups at the time of Jesus. They both prided themselves in uh, knowing the scriptures but Jesus rebuked the Sadducees for not knowing the scriptures. Jesus answered and said unto them, you do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. So if they had known the scriptures, they would have seen the power of God and they'd know how it could work in each one of our lives. It's important to know the scriptures and it's important to apply scriptures accordingly in our lives. We continue with this uh, question, how important is the word of God in our lives? This one comes from the Gospel of John. We must accept his words, the words of Jesus and of God, for by them we will be judged. And the quote is, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words has one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. And so we take the word of God and we trust that we can follow it as to the best of our ability knowing that God will judge us by those words, that Jesus will judge us by those words. For example, an easy quote, repent and be baptized. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If we can follow that, if we can trust that, and we can go through and be baptized, we can see how important the word of God is in our lives. If we just throw it off and we shun it, then we can see but of course, that word is going to come back and testify against us. As he said here, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judges him, the word that I have spoken. Still on the same question, um, this is one where in John it says, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So it's not just something that we would not look into, that we wouldn't check it out. And that's what I'm saying now. If you go away from here tonight and you say, well, that was a pretty good class. I, I believe everything you said. And just closed your Bibles up and went away. That wouldn't work very good. You've got to check things out. You've got to search the scriptures because I fully believe that these people that Jesus was talking to here believe they were on the right path, but they needed to search the scriptures 
and they needed to go back and check things out. And it's a good warning for each one of us that we can go back and check things out. And I just wanted to quote a proverb here. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. And we can fall in that category of being honorable as kings if we search out a matter and if we study it to the end and make those connections that count for eternal life. I think this is the last one on how important is the word of God in our lives, and it is correct worship. Uh, again, he, he quotes in, or he makes a statement here in John, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Remember we talked about truth before. Here it is here coming up a couple of times. In spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So there is correct worship, worshipers that worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And it's uh, down here twice in those verses. This, this one is one I, will, I kind of uh, question the point that I wanted you to make sure you didn't just take what I said. I want you to check things out. And that's always a good case. Any speaker, anytime we read the Bible, anytime we're in discussion with people, um, we should check things out. And I just had a, um, a statement here made, investigate everything you believe. If it is truth, it cannot be injured. If error, the sooner it is corrected, the better. Never be afraid of results to which you may be driven by your investigations as they will inevitably bias your minds and disqualify you from arriving at the ultimate truth. And so there's a lot said in those verses. Uh, we have to seek out the truth. Don't be afraid when we uncover something that might not just be the way it looks. Work it through, investigate it, and don't turn back because it will disqualify us from inevitably arriving at truth as we work it out in our lives. And this next quote is the faithful Bereans. And you remember Berea was a, a group of believers that Paul had taught at Berea, of course. And they were compared here in this particular verse to the, to the Thessalonians who were also a group of believers. In Acts 17, verse 11, these being the Brians were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. And so there's, there's the, uh, I guess we'll say it's a challenge I'll put forth. Don't just go away and, and fold up your Bibles and say, well, that was really good. He was spot on. You know, check it out. And the Bereans were a good example of this. Not only did they receive with the word of God with readiness of mind. They were eager to receive it, but they searched the scriptures every day, whether those things were so. And uh, the word up there again was they were more noble. They were a noble bunch for doing that. And so we come to the question, is everybody right? Well, we've all heard this. We've all... You're going to have your own catchphrases. What you've heard is you've talked to people. Uh, I guess there's uh, sticks. Do you see three or four? Um, but you have heard this. You have your religion. I have mine. You know, or you do you. I'll do me. You know, we're all we're all happy doing what we want to do. We're all going to the same place anyway. 
you know, we won't even discuss it. Why would we discuss it? We're going to the same place. I'm good enough as I am. And you will hear different quotes from different people, different ways. And I remember um, one when I was a little boy, my dad would talk to somebody and he would, the person would say, I don't, there's two things I don't, and they, they call the word argue, but I, I believe debate or even discuss. There's two things we don't discuss and that's religion or politics. And you've heard that one, you know, there's, there's so many things, but we got to remember, it is important that we check out what's in the Bible. It's important we get to the root of it. And you know why it's so important? Because your salvation is at stake. It's not just somebody saying, well, I don't like to talk about that. That makes me feel uncomfortable. Of course it does. But our salvation is at stake. So what is expected of us? This first quote comes from Micah chapter 6. Now Micah is one of the minor prophets uh, squashed in there between Daniel and the end of the Old Testament. Um, Micah 6 verse 8. What does the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? This is what he wants us to do. And we can go further on this and we can look where it's summed up in the New Testament in two commandments. The first one which is to do with God. It is found in Matthew 22, verse 37 and 38. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is to do with man, is to do with our neighbor. It's Matthew 22, verse 29 to 34. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And I just want to make a comment here on these verses. Uh, it's very important that we uh, follow these because on these two hang all the law and the prophets. And sometimes we might get them overlapped or confounded a bit where we're, if we're a real good person and we do really good to our neighbor and we kind of leave God in the background. And I was... Uh, I listened to a portion of the Queen's speech at, uh, at New Year's and she talked about doing good to all. And she even quoted the Good Samaritan and good for her. She quoted the Good Samaritan, but she kind of left God out. But we cannot, we cannot neglect God. It is the first and great commandment. And then we certainly, I don't want to be little, but we should certainly do good to our neighbors, do good unto all men at all times, whenever we can. But we certainly don't want to put God in the background and not count the, what God has in store for us. And so with that, I'm going to look a little bit at God's perspective. And if you remember, the first one here I've got up is on Eli and his family of priests. And if you're going in your Bibles from where Eli fits in, he fits in right at the end of the judges. And it is Samuel that's still here on the scene. In fact, Samuel takes over after him. So we have um, Eli and his family of priests. And it is spoken to us in 1 Samuel 2, 29 and verse 30. Wherefore, kick ye out my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my habitation. And honors thy sons above me. Now we're coming to that stage where we may 
put our neighbor or our sons or someone before God. And this is that you honor them before me to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy fathers should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, be it far from me, for them that honor me, I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. The priesthood of Eli was designated to go on forever. But he said, for them that honor me, I will honor, and they that despise me shall lightly be lightly esteemed. We cannot put God in the background. We have to keep the perspective of God, loving him with all our heart, soul, and mind as the first and great commandment. And the second example I have is one that you will uh, readily uh, note as well, and it is King Saul. And we can remember at the same time, uh, just a little later in history, as the children of Israel were leaving the judges period, Samuel's the last judge, the children of Israel asked for a king. And God said, yeah, give them a king, even though Samuel was disappointed. And this was King Saul. And Saul was sent out on a mission here. He was sent out to go and destroy the Amalekites. And the word would utterly destroy them. And Saul did something that was something that we do sometimes. We don't quite follow the way we should. And he brought back some of the sheep and the oxen, and he, and he brought back the king. And here's what's said. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. And now listen to this. Because thou has rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. And so it is so important that we follow God's word. And as we read in that earlier slide, quite a way back, by, by Jesus' words, we would be judged. And he says here, because you have rejected the word of God. And so really, if we look at the excuse that Saul made up, really wasn't too bad. I brought back these to sacrifice. That's a good thing. But he didn't follow the word of God. And so the next slide we have is, believe it or not, on excuses. And it comes from Jesus in Luke chapter 9, where he says he was asking people to follow him. And he said unto, he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first bid them farewell, which are at home at my father's house, sorry, at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now this seemed like a fairly hard uh, set of circumstances, and it may well be that when Jesus said, follow me, and the man used the excuse, I want to bury my father, was he means, I'll follow you after my father dies. I'll then come and follow you. And Jesus says, no, don't make excuses. Any man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And so down in that little caption at the bottom, if it's important, you'll find a way. If it's not, you'll find an excuse. 
and you're going to say the word of God is important. We'll find a way. We will keep working, uh, looking for God's truth in the Bible. We will go through the Bible and we will go back through it and we will work and make connections because it is important. We are not going to make excuses because it is important to us. So we ask the question, what do we need? Well, pretty simply put, probably, probably is kind of a negative thing. Simply put, it is a good and honest heart. If we don't have a good and honest heart, we're not going to go anywhere. We're going to trick ourselves. We're going to deceive ourselves. We have to hear the word. We have to keep it. We have to bring forth fruit. We have to be honest with ourselves. And so you will readily pick up the, where this comes from in the parable of the sower in Luke 8. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. And remember, there was the other kinds of ground. There was a pathway that was hard. There was a stony ground. There was the thorns that grew up and choked it out the word. Ah, uh, just leave my Bible aside. I'll pick it up. I, I, it's important, but I won't read it today. It is important. And you have to be honest with a good and honest heart. And it's in that parable where they bring forth fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. They of a good and honest heart. And so there's one question for each of us. Are we honest with ourselves? And so as we're winding down here, I, I put this slide up for to work it out for yourselves. And I'm not going to be able to probably read here, so I'll just uh, read it over here. Uh, let us be thankful that we have opportunity to read the Bibles in the comfort of our own homes. And I just want to make one point on that. It might end up too. But one point on that is in the dark ages, I'm going to say 12th and 13th century, people couldn't read their Bibles. They were told. Somebody interpreted for them. I'm telling you, this is what this says, you know. So we got to be so thankful that we can. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.